Welcome to Let's Fucking Talk. I'm Lauren, and today we're going to be talking about relationships and attachment styles. Um, this is a topic that um, I actually first was introduced to via Instagram. Uh, there is a psychologist who has an account that has a pretty large following. Um, her name is Sylvie. I forget the full Instagram name, but I'll link it at some point. But uh, she just talks, she focuses a lot on just relationships in general on her page. And when she started posting about attachment styles, it's something that I've thought about ever since. And as you guys know, if you've listened to past episodes, I have started there uh, going back to therapy again, and I have started to introduce that conversation into my session sessions. Okay, sessions because I think it's so interesting and so important to know. Um, something I've <clears throat> figured out over the years by being in relationships is that. There's, <sighs> so obviously relationships are hard work and I'm here to tell you they're even harder than you already think <laughs> because if you truly want to be in a healthy functioning relationship, there are so many things that you need to get to learn about yourself and the other person. Like, I think a mistake that we make is that we just go into relationships treating them all the same and not analyzing where you are as a person and as a partner in that relationship and what kind of person and partner that you're with is. So, like, for instance, um, this is a little bit more commonly talked about than attachment styles. So, uh, love language. That's become kind of a more popular topic recently just in general in society and that's a great example of something that a lot of people previously didn't delve into and there's probably a large majority of people who still don't do that now and it's an example of one of those things where it is really important to know your own love language and your partner's love language. And if you're someone who's been in multiple relationships or is entering a new relationship, like, you have to reevaluate all that stuff. Again, you can't just... I think we're always evolving. So even if you're someone who five years ago you figured out your love language was uh, words of affirmation, that doesn't mean that that's still true now. So if you've entered into a new relationship, you should dive into that again and figure out what your love language is and you should absolutely have that conversation with your partner. So 
if you're listening to this and you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, um, (laughs) there are, there's this idea that everyone has, like, different love languages, and, um, was it a book originally? Wait, let's look. I don't know if it was, like, a book or if this is by one person, but the five, okay, so it is, um, it was a book originally, The Five Love Love Languages by Gary Chapman, um, and that has evolved into, like, this whole thing. There are now, there's a quiz you can take. Let me tell you the website. FiveLoveLanguages.com. Um, at some point, I want to make an episode on all the love languages and go over my love language, but, um, my point is, is that there are a lot of things to learn about yourself and other people when you're getting into a relationship. Um, you shouldn't just go into every relationship assuming that they're all the same because that's silly as shit. Every person on the planet is completely different and not only are they completely different, but they're always evolving. So especially if you're talking about like marriages and super long-term relationships, you have to be checking in on where you are and where your partner is as a person at least every couple years so that you guys can readjust and figure out how your needs have changed, how your expectations have changed. So, okay, we're going to start with the attachment styles. Um, So, I'm getting most of this information from the Instagram that I mentioned. Okay, so I'm going to butcher her name, like, completely. Her name is Sylvie, and I'm just going to spell the Instagram name for you. It's at S-I-L-V-Y-K-H-O-U-C-A-S-I-A-N. Um, again, I'll, I'll I, I mean, to begin with, if you follow me on Instagram, I repost a lot of her stuff, so you might have already come across her page, but when this episode comes out, I will post something so you guys have a direct link to her Instagram because, ooh, she says stuff that makes you just want to throw your phone across the room, but, like, in a great way. Um, so, again, most of this will come from her page, but she often cites, um, the attachment theory, which is by John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth, so I just want to Give credit where it's due. Okay, so you're just like out here playing with my microphone string. Please don't do that. All right, so the attachment styles. Generally speaking, there are four attachment styles. Um, Again, humans cannot be like generalized and put into four different categories, but overall you will, if you take some time to self-reflect and listen to this, you will know kind of where you fall at least more often than not with amongst these four things. So, okay, the first one is secure. So this is obviously a healthy attachment style. Um, And the traits include can trust fairly easily, attuned to emotions, can communicate upsets directly, leads with cooperative and flexible behavior in relationships. So, Again, that's a secure attachment. That's the goal. How many people are actually there is up for debate. Um, Okay, so the next attachment style is an anxious attachment style. 
this is me. So, yep. Okay, so the traits of an anxious attachment style has a sensitive nervous system, struggles communicating needs directly, tends to act out when triggered. <laughs> yep. Okay, and then, so there's a third attachment style that's basically broken into two different categories. So the third attachment style is an avoidant style, um, but avoidant is broken up by dismissive and fearful. So two different things. So avoidant dismissive traits include downplays importance of relationships, is usually extremely self-reliant, can become more vulnerable when there's a big crisis. Avoidant fearful traits are more dependent in relationships than avoidant dismissive, strongly fears rejection, has low self-esteem, has high anxiety in relationships. Hmm. That could kind of be me too. All right. Now, Sylvie, this therapist who posts all these amazing things, always writes great captions. So I'm going to um, read some pieces of her captions. So she says, as you look through the four attachment styles in this picture above, I invite you to think of them more on a spectrum. We can be mostly secure and still have some anxious or avoidant tendencies. We can be mostly anxious and still have some areas where we feel very secure. Okay, now guys, this part's really important. Our attachment style is absolutely influenced and affected by our choice and partner. If we are in a relationship with someone who is not willing to comfort us in our times of deep distress, we will naturally feel more anxious and clingy. If we're in a relationship with someone who comes to us for all of their emotional needs, we may feel more avoidant. Oh. The key to having the knowledge of the attachment styles work in our favor is by bringing a deep awareness to them. It's also by choosing to call ourselves out when we act in these ways that pushes our partner away or dismiss their valid needs. So, again, sometimes people, when they start to, like, go down the road of self-awareness and growth and evolution, it seems like so much work and so much extra effort, and quite frankly, it is. But at the end of the day, it actually ends up resulting in much easier and free-flowing connections, whether that's friendships, family relationships, romantic relationships. Um, if you can get to know yourself and know your patterns, your attachment styles, your tendencies, the way you are someone who maybe shuts down or clings harder... If you can identify your own behavior and not just become, like, a victim of your own subconscious, basically, you have way more self-control on how you act and way more self-control on how your relationship basically plays out and how much strife and struggle you have in relationship. Okay, now, so, she makes a bunch of different posts about attachment styles that directly address um, each type of attachment style. So I want to go into some of those. Um, so let's talk about first the differences between, remember there was the avoidant attachment style that's broken up into two, fearful avoidant and dismissive avoidant. So 
because it kind of falls under the same umbrella, I'll read a post that talks about the differences between the two so that you can figure out maybe if one of these is you or your partner. Because again, not only do you have to learn you, but you kind of have to figure out what your partner is so that you know how to communicate with them. Okay, fearful avoidant values intimate relationships more than dismissive avoidant experiences high anxiety in intimate relationship fears rejection and has low self-esteem wants to depend on others and be vulnerable but feels deeply fearful and distrustful so sounds like to me a fearful avoidant person is a little bit more similar to the anxious type attachment style because they still do want relationship and they still maybe might have some clingy tendencies. It just feels like maybe where their issues lie comes from different places. So now we're going to talk about dismissive avoidant. This type of person is really more like detached, essentially. So tend to dismiss slash block out connection in relationships. Shuts down quickly when they become triggered. Has an inflated sense of self and often judges others. Does not typically depend on others, often career-driven, and values self-reliance. Very interesting. Let me see if she has anything in her caption that I want to talk about. Okay. No, we'll just go to the next thing. Alright. Now, this is where she gives, like, tips on either how to handle personally your own attachment style as well as how to handle the attachment style that your partner has. Okay. I love these posts. All right. So we're going to go through a series of basically comforting words for the type of each type of attachment style. So you could use this as a tool to be a better partner. So if you're listening to this and you can kind of identify, oh, it looks like my partner is this attachment style, you can use these comforting words to help them. Or if hopefully I pray that all of us are or one day are in a relationship where you have, you know, open communication about your struggles and how to be better together, you can use these comforting words to like tell your partner basically how to handle you. Um, over time, I've gotten more comfortable with helping, you know, the person I'm in a relationship with understand me and teach them how to like, basically how I want to be loved. And I think that's really important. Sometimes we're under this idea that the best partner has like a crystal ball and knows how to they should know how to handle you and they should know what to say and like that's just really like dragging out <laughs> ever being happy or at peace in a relationship if you can just teach your partner like hey this is the type of thing that works best for me this is the type of language that I respond best to that should really be like the ideal situation in all relationships okay so, comforting words for someone with strong, dismissive, avoidant tendency, tendencies when they feel threatened. 
Okay, the first phrase says, it's okay if it takes time for you to trust me or rely on me. Please let me know how I can help you with those things. Next, I know sharing about yourself can be hard for you. You don't have to share everything all at once. We can go slow. And last, let me know when this conversation feels like too much for you. We can take a break and come back in half an hour. Okay, so to be clear, I have had a relationship with a dismissive avoidant person. That's what I strongly believe they fall under, at least. Um, And this last phrase that I just read, let me know when this conversation feels like too much for you. We can take a break and come back in half an hour. That's something I had to learn to be okay with. I'm more of an anxious attachment style, so I get, like, very anxious. (laughs) And when you're someone who is an anxious person... You want to talk about things right now. And, like this, like Sylvie outlines, an anxious attachment style results in, like, wanting to cling on to the relationship, the person, whatever it might be. And for an anxious person, when someone wants space, it's a trigger and it's a really hard feeling to deal with. It feels like a punishment almost. So... Again, just showing how these things are so important to learn and understand because if you can tell yourself, okay, I know my partner is more of like a dismissive, avoidant attachment style, and it's not that they're like breaking up with you or leaving, they literally are someone who might need time and can't have this conversation right now, and that's okay. So um, that last phrase was something that not only did I have to learn about the other person, but that I had to become okay with and understand that I can't put my shit on other people. Just because I'm anxious and want to talk about this right now doesn't mean that the other person absolutely has to honor that every single time and do what I want every time to make me feel better. All right. Now we're going to talk about... Let's see. Okay. Comforting words for someone with strong, fearful avoidant tendencies when they feel threatened. I can understand why you feel like running away sometimes. Next one. You are safe to feel your intense feelings with me. I can handle them. Next. It's okay if you feel scared between... I'm lying. It's okay if you feel scared when things come... Am I having a stroke? Maybe. We're going to try this again. It's okay if you feel scared when things become intense between us. It must be really hard to not be able to take in my comfort. And last, it's okay that you need more time to be able to trust me. So obviously, this fearful avoidant type person needs to hear words of safety, of understanding. So that's why I'm like... That's interesting because I'm definitely some of that, and I'm also obviously the strong, uh, anxious tendencies, so. Okay, comforting words for someone with strong, anxious tendencies when they feel threatened. I know you're having a hard time. I'm right here. Next, I deeply value you and our connection. Your feelings are important to me. You are not a burden to me. And last, you are safe to share your needs with me. Oh, yeah. For sure, that's me. Like, those words 
are the only thing I need to hear ever. <laughs> Feeling safe and understood because obviously anxiety in general, not even as an attachment style, is like a void in feeling safe constantly. Like you're just always feeling like you're in danger even when you're not. So yeah, these words, they are good. Okay, now, so really overall the Comforting Words series is really how you can help your partner. Now, we're going to talk about how to communicate your needs based on your attachment style. So, ways to communicate your needs if you have strong, fearful, avoidant tendencies. All right. I'd love for you to know that expressing my boundaries can feel very scary. I'm used to being there for others at my expense. Please forgive me if I express my boundaries in messy ways sometimes. I'm learning to own them better, and I could really use your support with this. Next. Sometimes I get hyper fixated on you and your needs because I'm desperately trying to feel safe and to read between the lines. It would be so helpful if you could ask me what I need sometimes in a gentle and non-pressuring way. And last, I tend to get scared when I don't have clarity around important topics. I also have a tendency of misreading people's intentions. Having your willingness to clarify your intentions around certain behaviors without getting offended by that request can really help me feel safer with you. Oh, yes. Okay. Next, some ways to communicate your needs if you have strong, dismissive avoidant tendencies. I really need some time alone after working to relax and reconnect with myself. I'd be happy to come back to connect with you after whatever amount of time. Your support around this and having you not take this personally would mean a lot to me. Okay, second. I can get easily flooded and overwhelmed during arguments. Can you please be sensitive about not criticizing me or probing me too much so that I can stay present and work through things with you? I don't expect you to do this perfectly, but knowing that you're willing to try would mean a lot to me. And the last one. It really takes a lot for me to share vulnerable things with you. It would be helpful if you could give me positive feedback or be loving slash gentle with me when I do share so that I can feel safer slash more comfortable to do this more in the future with you. All right. Now, some ways to communicate your needs if you have strong, anxious tendencies. I really understand your heightened need for space and alone time right now. It would really help me if you could just try to communicate when you're needing a break so I don't think something is wrong between us. <laughs> uh, second, having consistency is really important to me. If you can please not make me wait too long when I reach out to you, that would mean so much to me. Three, your positive reassurance means more to me than you can imagine right now. It helps me know that things are okay between us. Sometimes it's hard for me to know this on my own. And last, what are some things you need? What makes you feel safe and loved? <laughs> I've like said these things word for word. It's incredible. Now, if you heard any of those things and you feel that speaking in that way um asking for those things feels weird uncomfortable seems like too much seems dramatic whatever that's just because you have your own issues in communicating and asking for what you need but again those things aren't strange 
And sometimes that level of communicating seems like too much and seems too intense. And what it actually does is the complete opposite. It makes things so much easier. And it really, if you could constant, if you and your partner could communicate like that on a consistent basis, not to say that you would never have disagreements, but I'm comfortable saying that you could basically all together avoid arguments because disagreements and arguments are different things, to be clear. And if you don't feel comfortable outlining what you need, asking for what you need, it's also worth diving into your own um, levels of like self-worth and self-love because if you don't think you're worthy of asking for what you need or you think you sound silly asking for what you need, that's for sure a deeper issue. It is not silly to tell someone, hey, this is how I'm feeling. I need a little extra love today. I need you. I need some reassurance today or whatever it is for you and your particular attachment style, even if it's that you need space. But it's just really important to ask for what you need. It is not cute to think that anyone that you're with is a mind reader because you're setting your both you're setting both of yourselves up for failure because they're not going to read your mind and then you're going to have unrealistic expectations and both of you are going to be at a loss. Now, the other important side of this is that if your partner comes to you asking for these things, that, I don't know if you guys noticed, but literally for every attachment style, when you're asking for what you need, the thing that no matter what every attachment style asked for was for you not to take it personally. So if you are on the receiving end of someone speaking like this and asking something of you, Please understand that someone asking for their needs to be met truly has nothing to do with you. They're not saying that you're bad because you haven't done that thus far or that you're wrong for anything. They're literally asking for what they need. And I can tell you from personal experience, when someone gets defensive and somehow turns a conversation like that into an argument, it's so deeply discouraging and harmful to a connection, I don't even have the words to explain it. So even if it, if your partner approaches you with this language and you, your immediate reaction is that you feel hurt or defensive, that's literally okay, but don't act on that feeling. Tell your partner, ask your partner, for more clarification. Ask questions. If you're having a hard time understanding and if you're having a hard time not taking it personally, ask questions. Ask what they mean. Get get more clarification if it's making you feel weird. Or take a five-minute break and say, I'll be right back. This feels weird to me. Okay, so next. Okay, yes, good. Okay, so, these next two uh, posts talk about how to approach someone based on their attachment style. So, 
again, this is like a tool for you to, once you have kind of figured out your partner's attachment style, this is something you could use to approach them in a way that would best suit them. Because oftentimes, and this happens with love languages also, which again, we'll talk about another time, but a lot of times we project on, we project what we believe, what we want, what we need onto other people. So we think that the way we want to be loved, the way we want to be spoken to, the way we want to communicate, the way we want to whatever, we think that everyone else has the same thing. And that's why arguments occur because people have different needs. They are triggered by different things. They have sensitivities to different things. So I think it's so important if you have any interest in a relationship working out that you learn your partner as well as you learn yourself. Sage, I mean, excuse me, I'm having cat troubles. Okay, so the these two posts, how to approach whatever attachment style, is only broken down into two. So it's the avoidant um, attached and then the anxiously attached. Remember, there's obviously two different types of avoidant attachment styles, but she just puts them under the same category for this particular post. So, how to approach someone who is avoidantly attached. Understand that their need for more space isn't personal or about not wanting to be with you. Note to self. Don't lead with controlling or crowding behavior. Make sure to still own your needs, but ask them in smaller doses in the beginning. Understand that they have a high sensitivity to feeling shamed slash exposed. Reassure them that you will stick around when things get tough. Oh man, so important. Okay, how to approach someone who is anxiously attached. Understand that they may have trouble directly communicating their upset. Know that they need positive reassurance when they're upset. Lovingly set limits or boundaries when they show protest behavior. Accept that they have a fear of abandonment that won't make sense to you. When they project on you, gently redirect the focus back to them. So good. Okay. I actually want to read her captions on both these posts because they're great. Okay. So under the, po the post on how to approach someone who is avoidantly attached, she says, people that are more avoidantly attached had to learn long ago that many of their needs would not be tended to. They had to learn ways to play with themselves and cope with their own feelings. Deep down, they want close connection just like you do, but they feel incredibly invaded upon and exposed when you get too close. They rarely had anyone engage them, or perhaps they were engaged, but in ways that were too invasive, so they had to eventually learn to shut down. If your partner tends to shut down quickly during fights or when feelings become intense, this might be why. They also have a hard time going from solo time to connection time. They spend most of their energy regulating themselves, and when someone tries to interfere with wanting connection, they feel highly threatened. In order for your avoidant partner to become more secure, they need you, even if they don't show it. After spending time apart, give them solo time to transition before requesting connection. Ask for a hug and kiss and then let them unwind a bit so they can be more present for you. 
spend frequent time in activities where the focus isn't just on you two. For example, going to a concert, taking a fun class together, are all things that can help bring their guard down. It can help them get in touch with their feelings of connection towards you. A lot of avoidance feel defective internally, even though they may never feel safe to admit that. Your reassurance is incredibly healing. The truth is, your partner desperately wants to connect with you, but they often have to sit through some awful thoughts and feelings first. Those thoughts and feelings usually have nothing to do with you, but they are triggered by you. Closeness with you triggers painful memories of being left alone or invaded upon. There is something magical that happens when we begin to understand our partner. It doesn't mean we won't get hurt by disconnecting behaviors, but we can learn to ask for connection in ways that also honor our partner's pain. <sighs> she says the most amazing things, and it's so true. As someone who has been with someone who is avoidantly attached, that just resonates. And I know anyone who's listening who has a partner who has over the last 20 minutes of this podcast, figured out what attachment style they are, like, it just makes so much sense. Especially if you know your partner's, like, history, childhood, anything like that. If they had a parent that was either missing or overly invasive, um, it's just, it, like, becomes obvious why people are the way they are. And that's why I harp on therapy but also like inner child work because if you don't believe me yet one day you're gonna understand that all of our shit started in childhood but anyways okay so this is the caption under the um how to approach someone who is anxious anxiously attached post okay some of the warmest and most caring people on the planet are anxiously attached Thank you, that's me. They are often deeply sensitive and intuitive and caring of the feelings of others. They also have a deep-rooted fear of being abandoned as their caregivers showed up so inconsistently for them growing up. Except that this fear will probably never make sense to you. They will occasionally act out when they are threatened. Make sure to lovingly set limits with them if they do without shaming them. Redirect the focus on what is actually happening for them when they project on you. Quote, I know you think something's off for me, but I'm feeling fine. Is there something going on for you? End quote. Create connection rituals to have consistency and routine to counteract the inconsistency they grew up with. That can be anything from calling each other first thing in the morning to sharing a long, meaningful embrace before starting the day. Oh, God. I have backed out of the post. Okay. Those that are anxiously attached tend to pick up on subtle cues of disconnection, as they constantly fear love is being taken away. This is probably extremely frustrating for you if you're with someone who is anxiously attached. Feeling your partner cling to you can feel suffocating, but please know that their fear and their clinging is rarely ever about you. As they finally depend on someone they love, painful memories from their childhood come to surface. Oh god, I did it again. Small triggers little reminders of being left is what will bring up their clinging. Try to breathe through these moments. Remind yourself this is not about you, but actually a window showing you a very large pain that your partner lives with. With some positive reassurance from you, they will soon be able to regulate and feel safe again. If your partner is on the extreme end of anxious attachment, it's okay to get outside support. It's okay to encourage your partner to have other resources to support and rely on alongside of you. 
What's not okay is to shame and invalidate your partner for their fears. Embracing and loving them for who they are while simultaneously modeling healthy, secure behaviors is where the gold will be. Okay. Now, what I personally want the answers to and I'm working on in therapy is obviously how to become more securely attached because obviously avoidant and anxious attachment styles. Yes, it's good to know which one you are and which one your partner is, but for sure none of us should be like okay with a negative attachment style. You should always be aiming to figure out a way to be securely attached in your relationship. So how do we do it? So this is a post that says tools to become more securely attached. All right, so I'll read the post first and then her caption. All right, make effort to prioritize. Oh, I understand. Okay, so she's basically the bulleted list. She's writing it from the perspective of how securely attached people function. Okay, so makes effort to prioritize their own hobbies and friendships along with their intimate relationship. Acknowledges their mistakes quickly to prevent or minimize long-term emotional injuries. Takes time to explore their own and their partner's deep vulnerabilities. Is willing to invest in support or other resources when either partner feels stuck. Spends at least a few moments every day to create intentional connection time. Makes effort to balance out constructive feedback or criticism with healthy doses of praise. All right. Her caption says, Couples that create a secure functioning dynamic are proactive about their relationship. They look for ways to add to their connection, to their intimacy, to their playfulness, and whatever else is important to them. There is no right one way. Every couple is a living, breathing, evolving entity that shifts and evolves as the individuals in it do. With that said, there are certainly habits we can bring into a relationship that can set it up for greater success, and it is up to us to explore which habits we already feel strong in and which might need a little more of our attention. If we value and prioritize deep and insightful conversations, we might benefit from also adding in some playful and lighthearted time. If we value peace and calmness, we might want to learn the skill of attending to repairs more quickly, even if that will heavily challenge our egos at first. If we value wanting to see the best in our partner, we might want to adopt a daily gratitude practice to focus more on what is working in the relationship. So much of what we prioritize in a relationship is based on what we value the most, but that doesn't automatically mean it will be easy to attain it. We might strongly value quality connection time in theory, but struggle to lead with vulnerability. We might value humility, but don't know how to take meaningful ownership of our mistakes. The suggestions in the chart above are meant to serve only as a guide. Take from it whatever supports you and simply let go of the rest. And she also adds um, some good journaling questions to go along with, obviously, the idea of secure attachment. So I'll read those for you if any of you are journalers, which really we all should be. I'm terrible about it. I have a journal, and I do not write in it or keep up with it the way I want to. But anyways, okay, so the questions for journaling are, what healthy and enlivening relationship habits do you bring to your relationships? In what ways do you help a relationship to thrive? What qualities have partners admired about you? In what ways do you tend to be too self-focused? What habits, 
What habits would you benefit from learning? What do you value in a relationship but struggle to experience? Yes. So I was having this thought a couple weeks ago when I've just been thinking a lot about attachment styles. Um, and I think being an anxiously attached person has been a real uh, disservice in my life and my connections. And I was thinking about the word connection versus attachment. And I read something somewhere, I wish I knew where, um, but it basically said that connection happens when your love isn't, um, what's the word? Where your love isn't conditional. Attachment happens when your love is conditional. So if your partner doesn't do X, Y, Z, you don't love them, essentially. And that's where expectations come into play. That's where we all, like, struggle. So when I kind of brought that thought into attachment styles, if you're basically anything but securely attached, you're, the link in your relationship is attachment not connection. If you're securely attached, then the main link in your relationship is the connection because the attachment is not, it's, it's secure, it's safe. So that part you're not worried about. But when you are functioning out of a negative attachment style, you can't really have what is actual true connection. And I've thought about how many of my own relationships and how many relationships in general are really purely based on attachment. And it is no mystery why most relationships don't work. And most people, at least not, I don't want to say most, but a huge majority of people get divorced or are in tumultuous relationships where like they can't seem to understand each other and get on the same page. And not understanding your partner and vice versa at least for me personally, has been one of, like, the main issues that I've faced. And I really think that comes from, if you can't understand your partner and your relationship, it's very likely because you don't yet even understand yourself. Once you can understand yourself and then start to understand your partner, you know how to communicate better, you know how to act better, so... That was really my intention of diving into the attachment styles. It's just, you can't put your shit on other people. And you can't assume that everyone feels like you do, loves like you do, talks like you do. So, if you're really interested in a fruitful relationship with whoever you're with, the best thing you can do is learn them and learn how they feel loved, learn how like what type of communication they best respond to. So I do hope that these attachment styles help. And again, I'm going to post um, the page that most of this information came from so that you could read through her posts about it. Um, and I encourage you, like this is one of those types of things that you can share with your partner to start a conversation. Send them the Instagram post that shows the four styles and... Don't diagnose anyone with anything. Share it with them and say, I'd love if you could read this and tell me what you think your attachment style is. 
and then from there you you can share your attachment style and then you can start diving into the differences of how attachment styles work and I really think conversations like that can really lead to a deeper understanding of each other that results in far better communication and connection. Um, so, is that all I wanted to say? I think so. Yeah. Well, I hope that helps. I'm currently learning how to, and mind you, it's so hard, but I'm figuring it out, and that's it. I encourage you guys to, even like she mentioned in a lot of posts, if you need outside help and resources, whether that's a book, a therapist, whatever, please don't shy away from these things. Please don't shy away from communication and growth. That's all, guys. We will talk soon.